Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. I want to remind everybody today that we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means, guys, we like to take notes. In fact, we don't only like to take notes, we love to take notes. It is a part of who we are, not something that we just do. I want to encourage you on a Sunday for sure, but I also want to put God's Word in your hand and show it to you in the most practical way I can to show you how to live this thing out. So you can text OLC Notes to 94000, OLC Notes to 94000. I've had people look up our phone number and text OLC OLC notes to our office number. Please don't do that. You won't get the response. I've had people write OLC or like notes, but you got to put like OLC notes together, all one word uh, together to get that to your phone. So I want to encourage you and help teach you what that is all about. Where are all my note takers at in the house? Can I hear a good amen if you enjoy taking notes? Awesome. Hey, before we get into taking notes, I do want to take a moment on the front end of this service and remind you of a couple things. As you walked in today, you probably saw the water baptism tank out there with a big banner that says, I have decided. Guess what we're doing today, guys? After this service, we are celebrating life change with water baptism. How exciting is this, everyone? Yes. Got a few of you excited. By the end of this service, you'll be shouting a little bit more than that, I promise. We're going to have a good time. But water baptism, you're going to hear a lot about this today. Some of you have already registered for it. You've come prepared for it. Some of you are like, I don't even really know what that is. Don't worry. You're, you're in good hands today. I'm actually going to teach from God's Word a little bit on what water baptism is and how important it is. And the reason we do it, honestly, this Sunday following Easter Sunday is because of this. You ready? Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. It was Resurrection Day. And you guys, here alone at One Life Church between our two services, you ready for this? We had six people make decisions to follow Jesus Christ. Come on, throw your hands together and celebrate with that. Come on, that's a great place to say amen. The Bible teaches us that just when one person, you guys, gives their heart to Christ or says a prayer and just says, God, I need you. I surrender my life to you. It says that all of heaven drops what they're doing and they celebrate. And I'm just saying, you guys, there was a party going on last week in Nampa, Idaho for six people who made decisions. Come on, throw your hands together one more time and celebrate with heaven for what God has done in and through you. And I do want you to know God has done that in and through you. And I just want to take a moment and recognize the men and women, young and old, who make up the dream team here at One Life Church. This church does not revolve around a pastor. This church revolves around the family that is the body of Christ, that is the dream team. And if it was not for the amazing men and women who make this, this opportunity would have never happened. And so the opportunity for you even to sit in chairs today and hear us and watch us online and have an incredible time and your kids to be loved, none of that would be happening, you guys, without our incredible dream team. And so we're a celebratory church. Can you do one thing for me this morning? Can you just celebrate the dream team one more time? Come on, show your love for the dream team. Let them hear you. Kids, we love you. And so the big question I get often asked is, okay, now what? 
Like, awesome, six people made their decisions for Christ. We celebrate that, but now what? And honestly, today and over the next couple of weeks, it's the question I want to be trying, that I want to do the best with the help of God to help answer. Like, what is next? Because if you were one of the six that made a decision, or maybe you made a decision last week and maybe you didn't mark the card, or maybe you made a decision to follow Christ this past three months, six months, or a year, wherever you are on the journey of your faith and you've declared faith in Christ, it doesn't matter who you are, where you you are, however long or short you have been serving the Lord, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, there is always a next step. There is always a next step. And we are a next steps church. We exist to help you and myself as well to go on what I call a spiritual journey. And so spiritual journey is a verbiage that we use here. In other words, it just simply means that where you are in your faith, God has simply a next step for you. And whether you believe it's true or not doesn't change the fact that it is. And in fact, I would go on as far as to say your life will never make sense. You'll never be truly fulfilled. You'll never come to the place of really recognizing and being satisfied with where you are in your life until you discover that you have a spiritual journey where you are on that path and when you begin to take a step towards it. In fact, Proverbs 29:18, just to kind of set this thought up for a second, it says this. If people, by the way, people, that's you and I, if people, if we can't see what God is doing, in other words, if we can't see the fact that God has a spiritual journey for us, then look at what happens. Oftentimes, this is where we find ourselves. We end up stumbling all over ourselves. And a lot of times we're like, why, why am I falling? Why, why is this happening? Why am I struggling so much? Well, oftentimes it's because we are not on the course or on the track of seeing what God wants to do in our life. But it's more than just seeing, okay? Look at this. But when they actually attend to what he reveals. So it's not only about seeing, but when you begin to take a step and recognize that God not only has you on a spiritual journey, but when you begin to take a step in that direction for wherever you are in this season of life, look at what happens. And this is my hope for you. This is why we exist as a church. Look at what happens. It says they are what? They are most blessed. They are most blessed. So I not only want to help you see what God is doing, I want to teach you how to attend to what he reveals. And I want to really honestly show you how to go all in and make the most of your life. Why? Because I want you to experience God's blessing. I want you to experience God's blessing. And I want to remind us all, Jesus came, look at John 10, 10. The reason Jesus came wasn't only to save us from our sins, to forgive us, to bring us into a relationship with God. That's important. That's absolutely like the main, main reason. But Jesus himself said, hey, there's more. Like I've come that you may have life. Now he could have stopped there and it would have been great. But get ready for this good news. He doesn't just want to give you life and salvation and forgiveness of sins. Like he wants you to experience life to the full, to the abundance. God wants you to just go blow your mind with good things in your life. He wants to take you on a journey of making a difference with your life where you can experience ultimate fulfillment. And the question I ask today is, are we making the most of our life? Like some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, I thought I'd just give my heart to Jesus and God takes care of everything else. Like I just sit back and let God just kind of pour down his blessing. And I just want you to know that's not what scripture teaches. Now he does bless us. He does grace us. We don't have to earn it. But there are some things for us to do. In other words, God is never going to force his love. God is never going to force his will. God is never going to force his plan or his purpose in your life. He will always give you one word, and that is a choice. 
He will give you a choice. Yes, Jesus came to give us life and for us to have it to the full, but we have some steps to take in that. We have some choices to make along the way. In fact, this is so important. God set the standard in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Look at this. He says, today... Now, this was over 2,000 years ago, but this principle still stands true today. This is God's voice speaking to us. Today, I have given you the choice at One Life Church in Napa, Idaho at 1028 a.m. on Sunday the 24th. I have given you the choice. What are the choices between life or death? He says between blessings and Curses, and this is so important, my friends. This is so serious that God goes on to say, now notice this. God says, I call on heaven and on earth. I call on heaven and on earth to witness the choices you make. To witness the choice you make. And oh, I love God's desire. Oh, that you and I, that we would choose. What's the word? Choose, choose life. That we would go all in. We'd make the most of our life. Why, why, why? Look at the rest of the verse. So that you, and we don't use this verbiage today, your descendants, but you and your family, you and this generation and the next generation and the next generation, your family tree, so that you and your family might live, that you might make the most out of your life by making the choice on your own to choose Life, And so I know many of you today are going, Pastor Red, I mean, I want to experience the blessing of God. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't want that. Of course I want that. I want to experience the blessing of God. I want to make the most of my life. Like, I really, truly want to go all in, in my faith and trust with God, and I want to choose life. Can you tell me a little bit of what that looks like? Like, what does that look like? And that's a great question. And if you've been with us for a while, I just need you to understand, like, this message is like the most important message we preach as a church. In fact, it's one that you probably hear every Sunday, and that's for a reason. Because, hey, church folk, hey, Christians who are in the room, this church doesn't exist for us. It exists for those who aren't here yet. Like, this isn't about us for no more. We exist not just to come and grow on our own, but we exist to give opportunities for people to experience this right here. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes, and that is to know God. The first step in living in all-out life begins with the first step in all of our spiritual journeys with knowing God. And the emphasis is on the word know. Not like knowing your mind or intellectually, but like the word know, like in the Greek, look at this, in the Greek, I'm not even going to try to really pronounce that. Go ahead, turn on the next one so they can see this. Uh, you can see the G-I-N-O-S-K-O, that's pronounced ginosko. Gnosko. And these are the words that Jesus used. These are the words that Paul used throughout the New Testament. Oftentimes, when you see the word know God, it's referring to this gnosko, which ultimately is described as to know intimately. See, the first step in our spiritual journey isn't to know religion. The first step in our spiritual journey is to know intimately, to have an authentic relationship with the God who created you and created me. That's why I like to say this, like God isn't looking for religion, everybody. God's looking for a relationship. This is what it's all about. He's looking for a personal relationship with you, with you. And oftentimes I get this question asked a lot, um, non-Christians and Christians alike. And the question is, well, Pastor Red, I mean, like, I think I know God, but like, how do I really know that I know God? Because I know that's important. You know, I've said the prayer. You know, like, I, I like, but like, how do I know that I know God? Like, that's a great question. 
So I think it's really important, especially for those who have made recent decisions for Jesus, because when life will hit you in the face, when you realize that Christianity, just because you've given your heart to Christ, doesn't mean your life all of a sudden becomes perfect. Like you still got issues and stuff to work on, right? That's a part of the journey. But oftentimes we think, well, I said the prayer, but then all hell's hitting me on Monday. So obviously I I guess I don't know God because I'm not living this blessed life. No, 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 no. That couldn't be further from the truth. No. So how do you know that you know God? Well, let's turn to scripture and see what God teaches us in his word. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. My friends, I love that God speaks to this. He doesn't leave us in the dark on anything. He says, all right, to answer your question, we know that we have come to Gnosko, like to know him intimately, authentically, and have a relationship with God if, ready for this, if we keep his commands. Like if we actually do the things that God's asked us to do. Now, do we have to earn our salvation? Absolutely not. It's a free gift. It's grace. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. But it is very clear that God wants to you know, establish in our hearts and confirm in us and through us to the world and to ourselves and in our family that to come to know God, to know him, we know that we know him if our lives demonstrate fruit of keeping with his commands. Now, here's the question that I often get asked at this point is, well, what are his commands? Because like there is a whole book of the Bible, like it's this big, like there's a lot of stuff in there, Pastor Rat. Can you clarify that for me? Yeah, I will. In fact, actually, let me let Jesus do that for you. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus responded to some people who said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Like if there's like one thing for us to do, like what is it? Like what are these commands? And Jesus said, okay, here you go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, like with everything that's within you. And then he says, this is the first and this is the greatest commandment. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He said, hey, I got one more for you. In fact, look at this. He says, and the second is like it. Now, I know you only asked for one, but let me tell you how they, these two coincide with each other. So love God. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself for all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey guys, the entire Bible is summed up in these two commandments, love God and love people. Now here's the problem. Many of us often have a hard time loving people because we don't know what it looks like. Let's be real. Like many of us come from broken homes. Even if your home was considered perfect or could be the most idealistic, whatever that is, it's still broken. But why? Because we live in humanity. And so even the best case, but most of the times the worst case, we've experienced trauma, myself included, in our homes, broken homes, maybe relationships, hurts, wounds, pains. In fact, we bought into the world system of looking at how the world loves. And if you buy into that, then you really know that that's not the way to do it because it always leaves you hurting and wanting for more. And so many of us, like we want to love people, but we really don't know how. We've never experienced it or we've never really seen it for ourselves. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus clarifies that too. You ready for this? Look at what he says. John 13, 34 through 35. He says, I want you to love one another. Now, time out for a second. We've read this verse a lot, but I need you to understand at the moment that Jesus unveils this truth to the disciples and those who are following, they would have heard this love God, love people thing. They would have actually been taught it from ground up. Okay, but this is where Jesus kind of just comes up, kind of puts a twist to it and says, now, you've never heard it said like this. He says, now, I want you to love one another. And then he follows it up with, as I have loved you. 
This would have blown the disciples' mind at this point because let me just tell you what they have seen Jesus do up in this point is all about what? It's, it's not about him. It's about sacrifice. It's about serving other people. He says, as I've loved you, so you must love one another. And it, by this, by the way, you've seen me love by laying my life down in sacrifice and service to others. This is how everyone will know, including you, that you are my that you're my disciples, that we're walking and doing life together, that we're in relationship together. You want to know how you know that you know God? My friends, it's how you not only love God, but it's in how you love everyone else. For by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you love one another. In other words, if you live a life of we before me. See, God's always called us to this love and how do we know that we know that we, we know God? It's based on how we love others the way that Christ has loved us. Now, let me be very truthful and honest to you. Uh, you can be the smartest, most wisest man or woman on the planet, and nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Isn't that the truth? Like, y'all have all experienced that person who walks in the room. They think they know it all. They got it all together. And, like, they're wanting to say something or, or kind of, and their point might be valid, and there could be a lot of, like, wisdom or knowledge in it. But the fact that, like, they have no care, they walk in arrogance and pride or whatever, it's like, I don't even care what you have to say, even if it's truth. I'm not going to buy into it because I don't like you because you don't like me. So nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why 1 John 3, 18 through 19 says this, Dear children, another Hate One Life Church, family and friends, let's not just love with words. Like, it's important to say I love you, and like, we need to say it a lot. But at some point, it goes way beyond just saying I love you. Like, don't just let our love come from our words or our speech, but with what? With actions and in truth with actions and in truth. In other words, let us serve our spouse with not just I love you, but like let's show I love you by like acts of service, quality time, thoughtfulness. Where are you at, everybody? Can I get an amen? It's kind of quiet in here. <laughs> serve our spouse, serve our friends, serve our neighbors, serve our enemies. Bless those who persecute us. Why? Because this is how we know. You want to know that your faith and your relationship with God is, is good and you have that authentic relationship? It's how you love other people. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. And this is how we set our hearts in it. I love this word, at rest. At rest in his presence, knowing, hey, man, I got this authentic, intimate relationship. I'm experiencing God's love, and it's moving in and through me, and I'm loving other people. I'm not perfect. I mess up. I, of course, I make mistakes. But at the end of the day, my life is no longer lived for me. It is lived for others. I'm representing Christ in his love. For 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, everyone who loves, everyone who loves, look at this, has been born of God. Everyone who loves, not only God, but loves others and serves others and makes a difference with their life. They, they love God. They've been born of God and they know God. It doesn't stop there though. It goes on to say, whoever does not love their spouse, their friends, their enemies, their coworkers, their neighbor, whoever does not love, they don't know God. Why is love so important? So those last three words. Because God is love. I remember saying those three words with me. Say, God is love. God is love. See, we know we love God by how we love others. See, God is love. It's his character. It's his nature. It's who he is. And when we're doing life with him, 
and we're in relationship with him, that love penetrates our heart, but then it allows us to also love others the way that he has loved us. This is how we know that we know God. And so if you're here today and you've not experienced God's love, I'm gonna give you the opportunity today. If you've not experienced God's love in you and through you, my friends, I wanna encourage you to make the most important all-in decision that you could ever make to make the most out of your life. And that is simply to surrender your life to Jesus. To surrender your life to Jesus. And this is so important. Why? Why is this important? Like, what does this have to do with love? Look at 1 John 4, 15 through 17. For if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, a miracle happens. Look at the miracle. God lives in them, and not only does God live in you. Are you ready for this? Let's blow your mind. And you also live in God. Like this incredible miracle of transformation that I can't explain by just standing up here and teaching you. Like at some point, you got to make the choice to go all in and acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And he is the soon coming, risen, alive King who has given us eternal life and brought us into relationship with God. And when you begin to experience that and begin to profess by faith, not because you can explain it, but because just something draws you. It is the presence of God. And when he draws you in and you take that step, my brother, my sister, a miracle begins begins to happen. It's powerful. I can't explain it. It's a miracle. It is a transformation. Not only are you forgiven, but the love of God comes and resides in your heart and gives you the capacity and power to love others out of this relationship that you have with God. It's amazing. And so we know, look at it. So we know, and we rely on the love God has for us. How? Because God is love. There it is again. Everybody say God is love. God is love. When you begin to experience the love of God in your life through Christ, it gives you the power to be able to love others, to love others. This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know we're on this spiritual journey. These are the steps we take. This is how we know that our decision last night is actually like, like real and living and active is because all of a sudden now we're beginning to walk in ways and do things we never thought possible because of God's love in us and through us. Look at the rest of the verse. Whoever lives in this love, <laughs> if you hadn't got the point already, whoever lives in it, look, you live in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. This is how love is made complete. Well, Pastor Red, I mean, I want that. Like, I want to go all in. I want to experience the love of God. What do I do? Well, I just kind of said it in that verse, but let me give you another one. Romans 10, 9. Very simple. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you simply believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will experience life. You'll go from death to life in every area of your life, in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, the power of God to transform you miraculously begins to take place. You will be saved. You will begin your journey of this all in, making the most out of your life in relationship with God. You will experience the verse I shared earlier, John 10, 10. You'll experience the part where Jesus said, hey, I've come that you can have life and have it life to the full. You'll experience this way of living. And some of you began that journey last week. I'm so excited for you, man. Way to go. But for some of you in this room and online today, I love you and I'm your friend. But if you were honest and truthful with yourself, you say, you know what? I, I didn't make that decision yet. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to take this step. And this is my hope for you today. This is why we exist as a church, everyone. 
is that people can experience the love of God through a relationship with Jesus and know him. Now, by the way, when it comes to making this all-in decision of following Christ and surrendering your life to Jesus, did you know that every single believer, every single person who put their faith in Christ, do you realize their very next step, what it was? After every decision that was made, after coming into a relationship with God, every single person was water baptized. Write that down if you're taking notes. Every person was water baptized. Now, some of you know where I'm going with this because I've already told you that today we're celebrating water baptism immediately following the service. And some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, you're going to encourage me to be water baptized. But Pastorette, Pastorette, I mean, I was christened as a child. I was, I was dedicated as a child. And if I get water baptized, will that disrespect that family event that happened when I was younger? And I would say, no, 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 no. <laughs> It doesn't disrespect it. It actually confirms it. In fact, it even goes a step further and it celebrates the fact because you know what your family was doing by saying, hey, I want to dedicate you as a child. I want to christen you. You know what they were basically saying? They were saying, you know what? I hope one day as you grow up that you will choose Christ. I hope that you'll choose Jesus and see that all that God has done for you through his son. And so it's almost like by faith, they're christening you. And by faith, they're dedicating you, knowing that as you grow, you'll experience God's love yourself and want to come into a relationship with him. In fact, I just need to teach you just for a moment, when it comes to baptism, outside of Jesus' example, because Jesus was perfect, he was holy, he was fully God, and he was fully man. Like outside of his example, every other baptism was post-decision. In other words, every baptism you see in the New Testament, starting in the book of Acts, when the, you know, the church and the history of the church started growing, it was always after a decision to follow Christ, never before. Look at this. This is just one example. There's over 27 examples, but I'll give you one. Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message. Now, whose message is this referring to? This is referring to Peter in this context. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And in the, if you read Acts, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, the disciples and everybody was praying in one place in the power of God, ascended from heaven. It was descended from heaven. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ promised. He said, hey, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem for 40 days until I send you what I promised you. In fact, you're actually going to need this. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Peter begins to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, those who's accepted Peter's good news of the resurrection of the Savior of Jesus Christ, look at this, they were, they were baptized. Everybody say baptized. They were baptized. This was a next step in their spiritual journey. In fact, not just one, but my goodness, we're not prepared for 3,000 people today. But I'm just saying, look at this, about 3,000 were added to that number. And so if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I am so proud of you. You did that last week. If you did it three months ago, a year ago, wherever it might have been, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus and you haven't been water baptized today, I just want to encourage you to go all in with that next step. Now, I could stand up here and give you so many other next steps on your spiritual journey. I could talk about how important it is, now, now that you've accepted Christ, to begin to like, find a church family and get plugged in and get planted. You know why that's important? Because your life, according to scripture, will never flourish. You know, God looks at our life like a seed. Like when a seed is planted, what happens? Seeds begin to produce fruit. But if that seed is never planted, guess what, my brother, my sister? We know this. We're out of Hoens. Come on, Aggies. Where you at? Like you plant a seed in the ground. It grows. It sprouts. It produces. And you eat from it. But if you don't ever plant it, my friends, guess what? You will never experience the life that was intended in that seed. The same is true with you and our life. 
Like God has intended us for to be a part of a local church. And guess what? I'm not trying to sell you on this one. This is a really good one, by the way. Where are you at home, folk? Okay. But let me just tell you, our arms are wide open for you. We love you. You are here. We welcome you no matter where you are on your faith journey. But I just need you to understand the big picture. Finding a local church isn't all about one life. It's just about finding one that meets your needs for the season of life that you're in at the moment. You need to find a place where you can get connected, where you can get planted so that you can experience the flourishing that happens as a seed would in good soil. And if you're looking for a church and you don't feel like this is a good home for you, man, I am committed to helping you find that. You can ask anybody that's been a part of our church. Like, I, my agenda is God's best for your life, and I want to see you connected somewhere. It doesn't have to be here, but I would encourage it. But if that's not it, it doesn't offend me. At the end of the day, I want to see you thriving in a local life-giving church. So I could give you that next step. I could also talk to you about what it looks like to be a part of small groups and to be a part of community. See, community is so important because we were never designed designed to do life alone, my friends. And so we've got to have community in our life. Where are my small groups at? Come on, somebody. You know how important it is to have community? James 5, 16 talks about it all the time. Like if you'll confess, if you'll find a safe place, a safe environment, you don't want to do this just with just anybody. But if you'll find a place or a friend or a man or a woman, you know, and you come to the place where you'll confess your sins one to another, we do that. And God's word says, then you pray for each other, get real, pull the mask off, show your true self. Hey, I'm struggling with stuff. Oh, you too. Me too. Woo. We're in this boat together. You pray for each other. God's word says, according to James 5, 16, you will find healing. It says the power of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Healing comes when you're doing life with each other in community. So I could talk, I could preach a whole message about how a next step should be community. I could also preach a message about how your life should reflect making a difference in your life. Because like you're never going to truly experience fulfillment. In fact, I think it's so cool. Uh, psychologists and sociologists, sociologists have proven that like, you know, if you're trying to do life outside of community and if you're not living your life for a purpose, you will never experience transcendence which is the scientific word for fulfillment. And God's word teaches us all along, like we need to be a part of a community. We need to be a part of a small group. You can join a small group by going to our website and see the link, click it, find more information. But as well as that, God's called you to make a difference, to understand that you were created on purpose for a purpose to make a difference with your life. And when you understand why you were created, my friend, that is a great day in your life. And when you not only discover it, but you begin to take steps towards it and make a difference with it and be faithful, like a lot of the dream team here that serve us so faithfully, I'm telling you something powerful happens. And it is all a part of your spiritual journey, local church, local life-giving community, understanding why you're designed and discovering your purpose. So I could preach message after message on all of that. But today I just simply wanted to bring you one thing, just one thing, because I couldn't think of a better way to, uh, you know, to follow up Easter than to bring you one message about one thing. And that is to know God to come into a relationship with him, to surrender your life to Jesus, but then just to take a simple next step and to be water baptized. Why is this important? Why is water baptism so important? Really two reasons. You ready? Number one, it was Jesus led by example. Number two, the very last words from Jesus's mouth, like Jesus died, he resurrected on the third day. We celebrated that. A lot of people forget Jesus was on the earth for 40 days, y'all on the earth, 40 days, hanging out, showing the nail scars, showing where he was pierced, showing himself to people. And after 40 days, before he ascended to heaven, we used to get this glimpse of a conversation in the gospels where Jesus is talking to those who he was closest to. 
And he says this, look at this, Matthew 28, 19. Last command, <laughs> last words. There's something powerful in your last words. Parents, if you had some last words to give your kids, that'd be powerful, right? Last words are important. Look at this. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, I want you to go and help people come into a relationship with me. I want you to go and help people understand that I want to have a relationship with them, that I'm not interested in religion, that I really want to have this authentic conversation going on, and I want them to experience life and have it to the full. I want you to make disciples. I want you to experience what I gave you, disciples. And look at what he says then. He says, then I want you to go all in even further. Take a next step. Baptizing them. (laughs) Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me teach you something about baptism for a second. If we look at this word baptism or baptized, it comes from a Greek word uh, that is called baptismo. Baptizo, excuse me. And baptizo, what does it mean? It means to submerge in water. And by the way, it doesn't mean to hold you down and never bring you back up, okay? (laughs) Submerge in water. So like, why water? Think about that. Like, why water? What does water represent? Well, look at this. 1 Peter 3, 21. In baptism or in this water submersion, we show. We show. It's important. It's a symbol. The water is a symbol. It's a symbol that we've been saved from death to life, that we've been fully immersed in God, basically. We've been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of who? Not ourselves, not our works. No, but of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water. Like it has nothing to do with the water. Nothing is holy about the water. Like it's not about the water, my friends, but it's about what the water represents. Look at the rest of the verse. Being baptized is a symbol. It's like this outward demonstration that we are turning to God and we're simply asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. Now, let me be really clear. Water baptism is not salvation and I need to represent this to you because some churches and, and theologians, they teach that, no, you've got to be water baptized to be saved. But the problem with that is, like, in the full context, in the whole counsel of God, that is not what God's word teaches. Let me remind you, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Notice it didn't say, oh, by water baptism, by going to church enough, by checking the box enough, by serving. No, 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 no. It is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith through surrendering your life to Jesus, through going all in. It is by grace you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves. It's not from what you can do. You can't earn it. No, no, no. It's the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God, not by works, not by water baptism. Not by just saying, oh, you know, one day, Lord, I'm just going to stand before you and go, I'm going to make it into heaven because I got water baptized at One Life Church. No, no, so that no one can boast. It's grace and grace alone. And that's Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, the savior of the world. It's only through him, accepting him, acknowledging him, turning to him, running to him. It is by grace. This is through faith. Notice faith. It's not this mindset of trying to figure it all out. (laughs) I tried this under, no, 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 it's by faith taking a step, taking a leap, and seeing Jesus on the other side. And that's why I'm going to encourage you to take this step. Why? Because Jesus asked us to. Jesus asked us to take this step. Now, I know you, like, you know, 
We're almost four years old, and I've come to know a lot of you, and I've realized this. You know what we're really good at? And it's not just our church. It's everybody. We're all good at making some excuses, aren't we? Am I, come on, don't leave me alone up here. <laughs> we're really good. And, and so oftentimes, you get in a service like this, you're sitting in the chair, and you're like, man, I really would like to do this. I haven't done this, and like, I, I know I need to. And you're like, I didn't really come prepared. Guess what? I get it. I already know the excuses. Pastor Red, I didn't come prepared. Well, guess what we did? We came prepared for you. <laughs> what does that mean? It means we have shorts, underwear, undergarments, the unmentionables. Well, I mentioned it, so I guess it's not unmentionables, right? But we have every, every size, man, woman, young and old, like it's smallest to largest. We have everything you need. And by the way, it's all black because we're trying to be holy around here, y'all. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to laugh in church, everybody. Let's just be real. So we got black shorts. We got everything that you need, black shirt. We got it all. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to relinquish my stuff. You know, my stuff's really important. And if I get in the baptism tub, then I, I got to have to set that down. I can't really watch it. I don't know what people are going to do with it. Can I just be honest with you? I, we get that. And so what we can do is we can set your stuff like right beside the baptism or, you know, one of our team members stand right by me. We got cameras. So we, we got everybody on camera. Okay. So your stuff's going to be fine. And then once you're baptized and come out, we'll give you your stuff right back to you. And some of you, you're like, wow. I mean, I know COVID-19 is not really a thing anymore, you know, but like it is to me and like wherever you are on that spectrum, I get that. And so some of you are like, well, I don't really want to get in the tank with the water and it's kind of maybe a little bit gross and somebody was sick. Can I just tell you, because of your generosity, we bought a baptism tank that has an ozone purification system in it. <laughs> and I don't know how it works, but somehow, some way it kills bacteria in it. And so, you know, that's pretty cool. So you don't have to worry about that. And then some of you are like, well, I don't really want you to touch me. And, you know, because I've got that phobia or fear, especially with water. And I don't know if you're going to bring me back up, Pastor. I will tell you, I'll bring you back up, okay? <laughs> but the Bible never teaches that, like, a pastor or somebody has to, like, physically touch you to baptize you. It just says, be water baptized. So you can actually, like, I'll say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I'll baptize you now. And then you can just go back yourself and come right back up. It's good, y'all. You flowing with me this morning? I'm just trying to take out every excuse that the enemy would try to take away from your opportunity to go public with your faith. Because this, what is water baptism? It's a public declaration of my faith in Jesus. This is what water baptism is. It's just going public with my faith. Well, Pastor Ed, I mean, you know, <laughs> my faith is private. It's just me and Jesus. <laughs> I respect that, but with all honor and sincerity, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. This whole idea, this whole thought that our faith is just meant to be private. Nowhere in scripture does it teach that. So I can't accept that as an excuse. In fact, Jesus addressed it in a very loving, grace-filled, and truthful way. Look at Matthew 10, 32 through 33. He says, guys, whoever acknowledges me before others, like you go public with your faith, you're letting people know of what I'm doing in your life. I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And that's a great place to go. Amen. Come on, this is awesome. But Jesus just doesn't stop there. He also gives the truth and love on the other side of this. Look at this. Whoever decides or they think that Christianity should just be kept private just between them and not go public, like whoever disowns me before others and just keeps it to themselves, I'll let you read the rest of the verse. Jesus' words, not mine. It's important. It's important. So what do we do? Well, my encouragement is we need to do what Peter was telling us to do in Acts 2.38. 
Peter replied when they were like, well, what do I do? What do I do? I surrender my life to Jesus. I'm, I'm going to do that today. I did that last week. I did that this year. What do I do? Peter replied, wherever you are on your journey, repent. And this word gets a bad rap in culture today. You know what it simply means. It means, hey, brother, you were headed this direction, and I just want you to turn around and see that there's life in the other direction. I want you to turn. I want you to go from death to life. I want you to repent. I want you to turn to God. I want you to surrender. I want you to go all in and ask God to forgive you. And he just doesn't stop there. Repent. And what's the all in next step for every decision, every follower of Christ? And be what? Baptized. Every one of you. Every one of you. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few moments. God, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for the promise of your love that we don't have to work for it. It's unconditional. You love us despite our faults. You love us despite our failures. You meet us right where we are. We don't have to perform for you. I thank you that it is, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that it is by grace that we are saved, not by works, so that we could stand before you and try to boast, but that it's simply by just receiving a gift from you. And I'm grateful for that gift. And many of us in this room, we've experienced that. But God, I recognize that there are still some people in this room that aren't truly sure they know that they know you. And for whoever they are, wherever they are, God, I want to give them an opportunity to experience you. In fact, I'm talking to you with every head bowed, every eye closed. You know who you are, and you know that you're far from God, and you know you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Not only do you need to surrender your life to Jesus, you just, need, you just know that, man, I'm just tired of living life on my own. I, got, I have to have some help in this thing. I can't do it alone. And if that's you today, I wanna, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But I would like to just introduce you to God through a simple prayer. And by the way, it's not about the prayer. It's just about your heart connecting with God. But I just want to help you with the words. And so if you're here today and you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray this. In fact, we are a church. We are a family, and families pray together. And so One Life, I want to just encourage everybody, if you know, you're saying this prayer, just encourage. Let's just pray this together as a family so nobody feels alone or isolated. So they pray something like this. Just say this. Say, God, thank you. I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins so that I could have a relationship with you. I believe and I receive by faith your life in its fullness. I receive eternal life today by your grace and my faith in you. Jesus, I believe in you. You are the son of God. I give you my life because you gave me your life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me whole by the power of your love in and through me. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Can we celebrate right now in this moment for all those who made that decision for the first time? Come on, let them know how much you love them, everybody. Yes.